Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a fractious foray into football fables, facts and non-fiction as the fervently founded focus of promotion has fluctuated and finally ended in failure. Football cyclical, we are accustomed to falling short of our goals at Norwich City Football Club, but I think you have to go back to the Valley in May 2009 for a feeling of failure as forlorn as this, because... In this case, the resources, the squad, the veg patch, the wage bill, the experience of the coaching team, the recent history of the club's promotions, the experience of recruiting well at this level, a promising league position in the autumn, changing the manager with plenty of time to make an impact, an historically poor championship in terms of the lack of teams with solid form in the running. Somehow, we've still ended in failure. So, for my money, it is a catastrophic dereliction of duty for those in charge that this football club is headed into another season of championship football and for them to do it whilst losing what tiny shreds of goodwill they had left after another pathetic Premier League showing is some feat. Conor and McGee join me and John to try and cheer ourselves up. Connor, what did I miss from that list of woes this season? No, I think you you pretty much got them all unless I'm uh, unless I'm there I would uh, I'd maybe throw uh, probably a, a very recent one, which is accountability, and, and, and I'm not just talking in terms of, of scrutiny um, from from the media. Um, I, I think internal scrutiny I, I would throw into that as well, and, and, and the way that that's kind of been removed at, at various levels of the football club. Um, but no, I, th- I think what you've outlined there is is fair, um, and probably sums up where a lot of people are at the moment, which is feeling completely devoid of any kind of energy about the project at the moment. I think what we saw on Saturday was just a lack of um, strip it all away obviously there was, there was the anger but I think uh, above all else it was the lack of belief in the people in the ideas in the project and I think when you get to that stage it's it's very very difficult um, to continue on the road that you are on so now it's now it's for me the shift is about well how do you respond to that and, and and how do you bring people with you and it's obviously something they were very good at in the past and something that they've been less good at in the last 18 months or so so yeah, all all of those charges that uh, that you levelled at at the football club, we now need to see how they respond. And you know, I guess if if you were to poll a hundred Norwich City fans and say, "Are you confident they could uh, respond to all of them?" I think probably the majority of them would would say no. And that's 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 the issue, I think. And it's about now changing the record and and trying to also accept what has gone wrong this season. I think if there's just kind of a, a patching over and, and trying to close the book on this season, I'm not really sure that will that will do it. So um yeah, the only one I would throw in is is accountability. But feel feel free to to jump in if I've missed any if I've missed anything, which is quite plausible to be honest. Well yeah, I mean I'd I'd ask you, McGee, in terms of whether or not you think there's there's something that we had going in our favour that we also managed to splurge up the wall. Um because it's it that's for me the biggest frustration is that we completely accept that we're not going to win the Premier League. We accept we won't win the FA Cup. We accept we might get um, uh, might get relegated from the Premier League because of all of the fantastic excuses we have. There weren't any excuses this season not to get promotion. No, I think that's right. And I think I'd just add to the list. It, it, I think we can now say that the soccer bot hasn't hasn't worked as yeah, expected. Yeah, no ROI from um, the soccer bot. No ROI from the soccer bot. Um, I saw Nick Mash to, wants to lame the blame um, and add in the failure of, of Daniel Farker for our performance this season. I'm not sure there's there's much merit in that. The the, the thing is that we set ourselves up to be a was it a, a top 26 team, and um, I, I, a lot of criticism for that. But I actually thought that was a sensible a sensible goal, um, and we've we failed. And we failed with all of the ingredients that are needed to be a top 26 team. And 
um, that's grim and not everything goes right all of the time. But I think the point about accountability is really key here. There's been no explanation, no ownership, no sense of explanation um, and no togetherness. One of the things that was was so strong in the premiership seasons where we we were dreadful i mean let's be honest those were those were terrible seasons but we maintained a togetherness because the fan base believed in and understood what the 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 club was trying to do and they've kind of thrown that away and you know i, I remember saying about dean smith that that being popular with the fans wasn't necessarily on his job description but it would help when things got tough mm. and i think you know stuart weber is now um, reaping that of, you know, he doesn't have to be popular with the fans, but it, it certainly helps when the going gets tough. The tough, the, the going is now tough. Mm. I don't know how much they're paying for for PR advice, but it, they're not getting uh, value for money. And um, that there is a there is a this is a problem of their own making. And I, I honestly don't know where, what the way back is for them from here. Well, I think that you mentioned that the top twenty six um, club aspiration. We got loads of questions, um, and we're going to get to them bright and early this week because there are so many and it feels like there's very little point in talking about anything in terms of reviewing the game, which was, I mean, it was effectively a, a soccer bot come real. I mean, it was Swansea were, if we'd have put some mannequins from Colney out, then the, the third goal still would have um, probably played out in exactly the same way. Maybe maybe the mannequins would need wheels. The defenders did sort of move alongside the, 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 their striker as he he finished easily from from eight yards after being shepherded almost like a police escort through through the penalty area without anyone laying a glove on him. I mean, so yeah, Saturday was was abysmal. But one one of the questions that, that came in was was around um, whether or not we still aspire to be uh, a top twenty six club. Um, you know, and and th- that question of Richard. Um, followed up with have we the finances to do so and how engaged are the fans with the aspiration and going back like the, the middle part of that have we the finances to do it yeah because look at some of the other teams that are above us and going to finish in the playoffs they didn't they ain't got a veg patch you know they're not growing their own courgettes they've not got a soccer pot with low ROI they've not got a new swimming pool on the way yet Millwall and Luton are, have have kind of bucked the trend and managed to, to be above us. So to to that point, yes, we have got the finances, but I think that part really punt. How engaged are the fans with this? Do I don't feel like I'm on a journey. I feel like I'm just watching endless sequels of a shit movie I didn't like the first time. Oof, there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there, mate? The yeah, we are as a fan base, and I say this personally as well. I think we're as disengaged as we have been probably since like last days of chase era i I genuinely think that like because at at least when it was really shit like late 90s kind of mid 2000s onwards i don't know there was almost like a camaraderie around it and it like it was it was a badge of honor but now it just feels really grim all the time and is it partly because we're not actually that bad like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're just missing the playoffs. It's so mediocre. Like, I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, but let's I, be I had... honest. Like, any other season, we're not just missing the playoffs in the championship. Like, any other season, we are probably 13th, 14th, 14th, 14th yeah. at the minute. You know, like, yeah. with, with the points tally that we have. And it's ridiculous that, look, you know, well, now we're not talking about the match on, on Saturday, but Russell Martin, Swansea, rolling into town, who probably, you know, like, last time I glanced at, at the bottom end of the table, they were probably like 16th, 17th, 18th. Suddenly they're level on points with us. You know, that just shows how it, it it's concertinaed up. It, it's just, it's, I sat there and looked around Carrow Road on about the, 
I don't know, 75th minute. And it, it was half empty, if not more. And you can't blame anyone for going. Like, you know, I, I was taught by my mother as a youngster that, you, you know, look, we never leave games early. And, and unfortunately, I, I kind of imprinted that into my child's memories uh, with children's memories now and, and they had to stay till the bitter end on Saturday and, it and they'll was... be dealing with that in therapy for years to come. yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> but you know look they, they will hopefully they will pass it on to their children when it's time to go no we're punts and we stay till the end you know and that's that's just what we do but I can see why other people left at half time left on you know kind of 60 minutes left even before that there was people that walked out on the second goal and I think the reason that it feels so utterly grim is because, as you've just alluded to, we've wasted opportunities. We've had the money. We probably let's be honest. You just talked about it. We have probably the second biggest championship budget this season. Probably the biggest budget we've ever had in the championship. And the the accounts will will tell us that in in good time. And you know, clubs are in the top six, in the top three, on an absolute pittance. So it, like the, the jibes, and it's the usual predictable jibes about the ownership model, just forget it. Like That's a complete red herring. Like Norwich have failed to achieve their, their stated goals, and they were absolutely achievable goals this season based on the amount of resources that we had. Were they achievable goals based on the squad that we had? Absolutely not. You know, I think we now, you know, we figured it fairly early. This is an unbalanced squad that that wasn't really fit for purpose, and, and you add in a few injuries to that, and it, it becomes ever more difficult. But I think it's really hard to say and put your finger on the absolute reason why we're disengaged because it's just been two and a bit seasons now of this, hasn't it? Like, of just it's just turgid, it's just horrible. Like, and everyone's like arguing with themselves. People are on social media. Um, either one saying, oh, look, I'm a brilliant fan because I've just renewed or, oh, no, I've had enough and I'm not renewing. Like, who cares? Like, support the club in, in whichever way you want. But it just feels fractured. It feels broken. And the only way that you fix that is by the club showing leadership and the club uniting people because the fans can try and do it, but you need the club to come to the party with that. And they're just not right now. And what I hope is, and look, we know that they're working out plans for for when the season is ended and and you know kind of post season media, but I just hope that that scrutiny and that accountability and that I think someone else said it away from here, but humility around the situation is really really important because if they don't show that, I don't see how people get on back on board with them. Connor, what was it like on Saturday after the game? did you get any talking about how how do they react to it and in the long list of things we've got experience of you can add coming back from crushing disappointment at the end of the season like the, you know, the people in charge should be well worn at knowing how to try and build themselves up again what how how cringeworthy was it in in those press areas when it came to trying to get a line or two out of players and, and manager yeah that's that's a good question um I think so. I, 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 after games, tend to tend to go and speak to the players. So, so I, I probably can speak about that with a bit more authority than, than I can David Wagner. Um, but it was on El Hernandez who who drew the short straw and had to had to come out and, and front up. And and this is the thing maybe that that has kind of been quite interesting from my perspective is a lot of these players come out and I know they get hammered for coming out and saying stuff, but they they have they have to speak. And and by the way, for all of the the criticism that that maybe the club does get. 
um, for its comms and, uh, and media operations. There aren't many clubs. I, I've witnessed clubs who are at the top end of the championship. Uh, in fact, the club that is at the top of the championship who had just won at Carrow Road and didn't put a player up for for my counterparts in in, in other areas to speak to. So to be fair, by and large, we have, we have always had a player to speak to. So that's that's worth acknowledging as well. Um, and, and, and the thing is, I, I do think certainly the ones that I've spoke to, I've never spoken to one and think, oh, you, you don't really care or, you know, you, you're not hurting. And I, and I think I'd put Onel certainly into into that category. I don't think that's a debate, really. We don't need to discuss how much Onel Hernandez loves Norwich City. But um, I, I think it, it, it's it's really tough. It's really tough for them because I think, and actually what's been lost a little bit, and I know we're not going to talk about the football, is... Um, they started quite well at Middlesbrough. They started quite well against Swansea, but the the first goal goes in, and there is such a brittleness to this group, um, and, and such a lack of confidence that they just they just go when when the goal goes in, and, and I think you you could almost see that submission in the second half, and and you can see the stats. So, I think the players themselves are a little bit at odds and a little bit fed up with having to come out and having to apologise and having to try and explain what it is and. You know, I asked that question to Onel Hernandez directly. Why? Why is this happening? And and I think that's the million dollar question for a lot of them. You tend to get a long pause, a bit of a huff, and a and a sigh, and then maybe an I don't know or, or or an answer beyond that line. So, actually, from my experience this year, it's not a case that the players don't care or they're not trying. I just think, as we've discussed um, and has been discussed um, for for well periodically throughout this this season really there are deeper issues and and the players are almost been caught in the firing line of that and we, we're seeing that in performances um so i feel for a lot of them because again it, it, it's not the people who perhaps should be answering the questions or should be fronting up to the questions it is on el hernandez a player who's being asked about change and it's david wagner a, a head coach who's being asked about change and this is where you know i, I know there's not much sympathy for dean smith around but again like exactly the same last summer he had to answer a lot of the questions that should have been directed elsewhere i remember uh paddy for example putting a question to him about the finances it's not a question that a head coach should be answering but there was no one else to answer it so in our position you have to try and get answers from the fans in the best way that you can and i understand the frustrations but that would be just from my experience what i would say now obviously um if you're if you're going to different levels of the club, I don't think that sympathy and that hurt and that feeling probably is there in the same way or being expressed in the same way. And I think that's maybe where you get the juxtaposition as well, because a lot of the players have had to be full guys and have had to come out and answer questions that, quite frankly, shouldn't be being put to them. And um, in, in fairness to Ornel Hernandez on on Saturday, I felt he answered a lot of them pretty well. And I, I think that's all you can ask. There, there weren't the cliches or the sound bites. There was the willingness to front up. And I think, to be fair, when, when all of the other players were kind of, you know, head down and, and trotting into the tunnel, he was the one that headed in the other direction and wanted to go engage with fans at the at the end of the game and uh, and whatnot. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough at the moment. You can sense it and... Um, and you can feel it from the players as well. But I, I feel for as much as they obviously deserve criticism for the way they're performing, I think in terms of questioning the spirit and the um, care of them, I, I don't really feel from my experience this season that that, that, is, that that is the case. Well, you mentioned, you know, maybe the hurt doesn't go as far off the field as it does on the field. You, it's quite difficult to find people who work for Norwich City off the field who have actually been there as recently as the last relegation. It's like a revolving door at the moment. And if you follow any of the club accounts or people who work in in kind of management or middle management upwards at the club, there are new new positions every week on LinkedIn um, 
for it and it's because no one seems to be sticking there it really does seem to be a really transient time loads of people have have left and, and gone to the filth down the road loads of people you know in, in ops positions and you know medium senior people and, and and have gone to other jobs in and around football and in and around sport and it isn't you know we we seem to still have that vacuum that we've talked about on this this podcast several times you know since ben k left there there seems to have been a real vacuum in in terms of a business minded person to run the business of of the football club and um i don't know whether or not you know zoe has maintained um exactly her role before or whether or not she has taken on some of what ben k was doing but um if she has done then why are we not speaking to her? Why is she not as available as Ben K was? I mean, Ben K had such an enormous to-do list, yet he was always at club events and at fan events and available to talk talk to people. And if that's Weber or it's or it's Zoe, then then fine. That's but one of the whichever the two of you have assumed that role, um, if it's going to be more the CFO guy or whatever, fine. Be, be available. I mean, McGee on on kind of Connor's point of uh, you know Wagner being put up for these questions. I think it's important that we touch on one of his answers, which is obviously that that Weber cares, you know, more about Norwich than anyone. Yeah, that was pretty disappointing to hear because it made it feel a little bit like um, he wasn't fronting up about the the issues that we can all see. And it's not for David Wagner to speak up for Stuart Weber. It's Stuart Weber should be doing that. I just felt that reflected badly on on both of them in many ways. And look, the thing is with O'Neill, I thought that he really he's grown in stature over the the course of this season um and i think he's he's so much more mature and um listening to him on saturday definitely helped me to have a sense of okay at least they get it at least they can see what we're seeing at least we're not you know going crazy or whatever and i think you you know i i i want the club to do well i want david wagner to do well I, I, there were there was so much great about um, what Stuart Webber brought to the club in the first place. When they speak, I think most people are, are at least willing to listen. Most people want to be persuaded. Most people um, want this thing to turn around. But it's almost like turned into some kind of um, uh, uh, you know, hostile confrontation. Like Stuart Webber is giving off an aura of really disliking Norwich City fans. He's giving off an aura of thinking we're the problem. There's a resentment and a hostility that I, I just don't see where he where does he think that's going to go? Where does he think that where's his landing spot for all of this? You know, you get into that kind of um, uh, 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 battle. There's only going to be one winner. Like the fans are never going to go anywhere. This is our yeah. club, and um, I just I don't really I can't really see a sense of what. Stuart Weber is trying to achieve with the way he's acting, and that that's really sad because when he has spoken, when he came out after um, uh, Dean Smith was sacked, I thought he said some really compelling and interesting things, yeah. um, and it was it was helpful to hear from him. I didn't agree with everything he said, but lots of what he said was was the stuff that I was hoping to hear. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a, it's a weird one that he's not he's not willing to do the hard yards of of rebuilding that relationship because that relationship is is integral to him being able to do the job that he is paid to do to do. Well, this, this is, so we'll, we'll come to, to listener questions, John now, um, but just to round off on that, that one point with cheese, the, the, and towards what you were saying, Connor, about the, the fragility of the, 
of the confidence of the players and the fact we go down one goal and that's the end of that. It, how many players needs to change to get rid of this losing mentality and this kind of slide? Because when Wagner got the job, um, I said that it would be an absolute failure to not get in the playoffs given how much time he had left. And Punt made a really good argument, which was, well, we need to average X number of games to get the average number of points. I made the counter argument, this championship is shit. We're not going to need the normal number of points. And mathematically, we're still in it. Saturday, we could have been, you know, Saturday, it could have been within our hands. How can you not motivate a team? And I'm not Wagner out by any stretch of the imagination. Although there were people, when when the Weber out chants were in the Barclay, I had to check that that was what was being chanted in the Barclay and Snake Pit because in the South Stand, it was Wagner out. Maybe because they misunderstood it and they just wanted to join in. But there was, there, there was plenty of Wagner out, not Weber out, in the South Stand on, on Saturday. Um, people are, are frustrated and they're fed up of what they see, which is how could you go into a game at home um, with the ability to, you know, effect, effectively take control of your destiny and then, okay, you're 2-0 down and, and, you know, then the head's gone and then that's the end of that. But how at 1-0 can you not grasp hold of that? How can you not take control of that game and, and settle down? How can you not have the, you know, it's a you can't blame Wagner for, for McCallum's decision to to carry that much momentum. And I think there was, there was a lot of bad luck around the circumstances that resulted in that that red card. But even at 2-0 down, it was the, the capitulation was just so pathetic. I mean, it was just absolutely pathetic the way that we made no at 2-0, I it went into let's make sure it's not six mode, let's not let's make sure it's not borrow again mode. As opposed to Far enough, see it out to half time. But then after half time, let's really see if we can cause them a bit of a problem. And then fair enough, if we go to three nil, you go look that we really three nil down ten men against the possession side. Fair, fair enough, I understand if they shut up shop then. But I I thought that was really telling that at two nil we basically went right. Well, that's the end of the season then, lads. There was there didn't seem to be any effort at all to change the game from from our point of view. Pump. Let's have some listener cues. Thank you. Um, first up, Tom, I don't know who this is, so you probably have to fill me in because it's from your mate's WhatsApp group, but it kind of feeds into what you were saying. So it's given Wagner's poor performance, should we be building players to fit the, his system, given that hardly any other managers like to play said system? And I think that kind of feeds into a concern that I have and I was talking to people about last night is, look, when Stuart Weber came in, he was really clear that head coaches were interchangeable. You know, sporting directors potentially probably were interchangeable. You know, coaches were, uh, you know, first team coaches were interchangeable. Academy scouts were interchangeable all because there would be this golden thread and philosophy that's running through the football club around how we want to play football. And of course there would be tweaks to that, but there doesn't appear to be many managers out there, maybe Klopp aside, that want to play football like David Wagner, that are as I don't know it stuck and wedded to one way as David Wagner and I'm not saying that's the wrong way by any stretch of the imagination and I'm still very much Wagner in and and I maybe want to see him given a little bit more time with the players that he trusts I don't think he's had those enough this season but you know with the players that he trusts to to put that into a coherent team next season but that argument is 
is compelling to say, like, if he goes wrong, like, if this is another Dean Smith next season, where do Norwich go? Because they'll have recruited a load of players that won't fit virtually any other manager. Connor, what's your view on that? Yeah, I completely agree. And it was uh, kind of an issue that I I had towards the end of last season. And when when does a coach ever have a a squad full of his own players? I, I just don't think that it's a reality. And then, and then obviously there's the financial aspect of that. Is it doable to to get the players that that he wants to fit his system? Is he going to be left with kind of C D replacements on, on that list? So all of those elements I think are very dangerous. And you're you're absolutely spot on with your analysis. And that's where I think I have quite a few questions in terms of the the structure of it because it feels to me like everything that Norwich City were um, in terms of the structure, the identity, the philosophy. Well, that died in the dressing room when Daniel Farker was dismissed in in, in, in that Premier League campaign. Then it. Then there was a lurch, and this is the point where you can probably identify as being the comms issue because they completely changed. They recruited a different coach, different style. It was all it was geared towards doing something completely different, and yet nobody ever really explained why that was or why they felt that was. Um, and since then, we've just kind of had this thing that's open to interpretation as to what exactly they're trying to do. And you know, you go from Smith to Wagner again. That that's quite a lurch in terms of stylistics and in terms of in, in terms of outlook. So. You're right. If if they recruit, and you know, uh, we probably get, it's probably a different question altogether about whether you trust the people in charge of the recruitment to recruit for that style appropriately. But let's let's say that they they do and they underperform again. They have to change coaches again. Well, are we are we then looking at another rebuild again? Are we going to have to sort of an Norwich going to have to call six seven players again? Like it's just not sustainable. And that is where this kind of initial idea, the initial seed of the idea that that Weber planted in, in 2017 about him being the continuity and the club having a, a system that coaches would almost be, I, I remember him saying coaches would be dispensable. You'd be able to, to take one out and slot one in and it would function in, in exactly the same way with a few minor tweaks and that a style of football would be replicated from first team level all the way down to under eight level, which if you've watched Norwich 21s or, 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 or 18s this season absolutely isn't the case. They, they don't play like the first team. So again, when did this point change? Why hasn't it been communicated that that's a change? Um, and you're you're right, and that, that's where I think a lot of the the issues come from it because they can they can completely overhaul the squad, and in October there could be a new manager, and they're saying the same thing again. So there is a danger, of course, with that, and that, and there is a risk. I guess the argument is that you know, well, what they were trying to do wasn't compatible with the Premier League, and so they had to change direction. But then to change it to this kind of system again where the head coach becomes the the focus and you build around that and you you get a coach or you get players in to suit a coach rather than a coach in to suit players. That's again a complete sea change from from what went previously. So I, I like you have complete reservations around that. And then there's probably the the deeper point, which is um do supporters, do people have enough trust in David Wagner once he's given those resources to put it into a team that's capable of success? Now that's that's a, a subjective view, that's open to interpretation. Um, I think in terms of your assessment of him so far, I, I'm probably, and I can only speak for myself, in a place where you can look at the mitigation and go, yeah, there's been plenty of mitigation and, and that's all terrible. And you know, it's hard for any coach to build off the back of that. And you can also think, did I expect him to be doing a little bit better with the tools that he's got? Absolutely. Um, so, so, so I think there, there are certainly question marks around him as well. It's not like we're on a run where Norwich have won eight from nine and they're, they're going into next season and you think, blimey, if they'd have sorted this out a bit sooner, then, then it would be OK. So, yeah, I, I totally get the issues around the structure and the coach and putting all your eggs in one basket. But I guess, I don't know, is, is that the last roll of the dice? I suppose that's the question. Is, is that all they have left? And if, if that is the case, then 
is that a sustainable footing to to move into next season with? All of these, I think, are, are completely valid questions, and the answers. I think we're going to have to wait for, unfortunately. Well, to your point on that, Connor, I mean, listening to your, your guys' pod yesterday, you know, you made that point. Who's going to be answer, asking those questions and who's going to be editing them out? Like, we're probably going to get another in-house job, at, you know, mid-May, sit, sitting down at Colney and it'll be neatly packaged up and it'll have some nice graphics at the start and the end. But it, I just, you guys need to be asking those questions and not and pre- presenting the answers rather than an in-house friendly you know touchy-feely interview where we, we sort of give you the opportunity to come up with a couple of sound bites where it's not my fault but it's just been tricky hasn't it I and mean, we i do care honestly without ever having a follow-up question of um how, how you know how's your how's your um uh how's your performance being reviewed like you know quarterly do you sit down with, with the board do you or, or do you just do it at home over the dining room table next question pump uh, next up, this I'll tell you what, Matthew, I'll come to you on this one. It is from Twitter and it's Harv or at, at Harv Likes Trains. I was particularly fond of his Twitter handle there. So thanks, Harv. He's stated that the Atanasios are not the saviour that we all think. They don't put that much money in. So where do we go from here? And I guess, Matthew, I'm coming to you because, you, as some of our listeners may know, you are a connoisseur of Major League Baseball. So you may know a bit about their time at Milwaukee Brewers and the fact that they don't, didn't really ever seem to invest in the playing staff. It was more around the stadium infrastructure and facilities and, and all of those bits. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, Milwaukee is a sort of a, um, the, one of the closest comparisons for Norwich in Major League Baseball. It's a "Quote unquote small market team. Um, they 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 don't have uh, huge amounts of money to to pour in. Baseball is different. Is set up differently to to football with the draft system and uh, a spending cap on what teams can spend. So it's not a direct read across. But they've definitely tried to build. Uh, you know, they've tried to build a a, a sustainable." model a kind of not quite self-funded but not a million miles off that kind of thing and i think that's why you know the the, the question's spot on that they're not going to be saviors they're not going to come in and, and write a check to solve our problems they're going to um create i think they're going to create a um a bigger sort of footprint a bigger stadium more uh, uh resources at, at colney etc but that 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 enables Stuart Weber and the rest of the team to then build the team, invest in the team, find the recruitment, uh, do do more of what we've been doing in the past. So anyone who thinks that this is a change of model, I think, is going to be disappointed. It might mean more resources for the same model, but it is going to be the same model. And I think the other angle to that is that the the Atanasios don't know football; they know the sports industry. But it's not like they've they've come into this uh, club with a shortlist of of people they think might be good sporting directors or people they think could be good head coaches. I think they're they're passionate. They seem like good the kind of good people that we'd want to own our own our club, um, and and that matters to me as well as the performances on the field. But this is not the resources or the expertise that is going to turn this around for us. This this club is still going to have to do the hard yards itself. Tom, would you echo that? Yeah, hundred percent. And hard yards is, I mean, going back to my my intro, really. I, I just feel like we've got uh, the reason I went back to two thousand and nine 
um and i wanted to uh, i actually had to google it to check that that was the right year because that's it's been such a long time since i sort of felt this annoyed you know that i just that's how much of a mission it currently feels you know i to be fair it probably is closer to the 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 the, the chase era punt to what you said earlier because there was an element of, you know, on league, on loan to League One, and was an element of, oh well, we'll piss that league, and you know, we 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 felt like we were wrong after a couple of games, and then proven right in the end. But so yeah, I mean, yeah, I I just think it's it's such a it's such a bleak and difficult picture because the we've got all of the we've got all of the pieces in place, but I just don't have any proven faith in anyone pulling it together. I want Adsanasio to be a different kind of investor to the one that that he's likely to be you know it, 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 to be fair at no point has it been sold to us as you know it's not Saudi money it's not it's, um, spend lots it isn't that you know and in a way we should be grateful that there's a bit of financial stability perhaps afforded to us from that and maybe therefore the, this end of parachute payments isn't going to be quite as tragic as it could have been if we didn't have that in place however I it's oh, I don't know I I I just feel like I don't have that that's another part another part that hasn't been communicated clearly to us you know I feel like we we're at this key stage of potentially a change of having twenty odd years of Delia and Michael to now they're almost joint positioning it will be after all the shares are hoovered up with Asanasio no one's really told us what that's going to mean and and and. It's just weird having having enjoyed those four or five years where, you know, pluses and minuses on the pitch, we sort of got what was happening and what was going on and felt like we were a, a valued sort of part of it. And now we've swung the other way to AGMs with no press allowed. Um, and, um, you know, it's very, very difficult to get an interview with anyone or talk to anyone and everything's in lockdown and we're just left to spontificate and and have to chat around various different podcasts to try and make sense of it in the void. And they could make it a lot better by just filling the void with some answers. And I think that's that's an excellent point because there is a void and people are making assumptions that Stuart Webber isn't going to front up and that Stuart Webber isn't going to come out and show that humility and that Stuart Webber isn't going to come out and say, look, I'm accountable for this. And actually, I think knowing what we know about Stuart Webber, he definitely will come out at the end of the season, regardless of who interviews him. And he will go... This is on me. Blame me. You know, kind of actually the si- the players that we've signed aren't particularly good enough. Um, well, no, he's definitely not going to say that. But, you know, look, he's going to come out and he's going to make noises that this is on Stuart Webber. And I appreciate that. I think the it probably feeds into, though, and this is a question that we've had from um, Samuel Langan. And Connor, I'll come to you, to you on this one. He's saying at any other club or at another club, sorry, would there be more scrutiny on a coach who hasn't developed the side tactically since his first five games? And would there be more scrutiny on a sporting director who's hired an ex-colleague slash friend? And I think that puts it into perspective for the way in which a lot of people feel is that actually where's the scrutiny? And since Ed Ball's the part of the club, have has there really been anyone at board level who's... I don't know, maybe held people's feet to the fire around, you know, performance, who has that that mind to to look at it from an external point of view and, and go, look, what you're doing isn't quite up to scratch. 
I, I'd, I'd strip that even further and say, is there anyone at sporting level who's who's doing that? Neil Adams, uh, John Iger, Andy Hughes, David Wagner. You could you could list loads of uh, of other na- names. They're people who have been given jobs by by Stuart Webber and have worked with Stuart Webber for a long time. Steve Weaver, you could you could throw into that. Now look. Mm-hmm then people might be providing robust scrutiny every day and saying, well, hang on, Stuart, why are we doing this or why are we doing that? But I think it's the perception, isn't it? And and that's what was always so interesting about the Wagner appointment is that in 2017, when Stuart Webber came in, he felt very forward-looking. He felt very innovative. And we've got to a stage now where actually he's gone, oh, well, hang on, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the to the guy who I had success with in, in 2015. Again, this, this real shift in, in kind of outlook. And I think, yeah, there, there is that absolutely. And, and I think also the, the level of scrutiny and why it's coming on him now is that, well, Daniel Farker was held accountable. He fell on his sword for what was his perceived underperformance because they felt that squad was, was good enough to stay in the Premier League. Dean Smith, again, fell on his sword for what was his perceived underperformance. They felt this squad was good enough to get out of the championship. Well, sadly, twice, you you, you probably can't, you can't be wrong twice. There, there probably is an issue that, that goes deeper than than the head coaches, which I think is why there is that reserve judgment on Wagner for now. And there is that view that's being taken that he needs his own time and he needs his own players. But again, you, you scratch a little bit under the surface of that. Well, do they have the finances to give him that? Do they have the the opportunities that he's going to need to be successful? And I think that that is probably where, where we're at now. And that is why the focus will be on, on, on Stuart Webber. So I, I totally get the question. Um, I think to to say that he's maybe not under scrutiny would be slightly unfair. I think he he is under scrutiny. How much scrutiny he tunes into and how much scrutiny he wishes to engage with is entirely up for him, up to him. But there there, there is scrutiny of him, and I would also say there has been scrutiny of Wagner. I think there's just also an appreciation of the hand that he's been dealt, which is not a necessarily good one. But like I say, that's not him being dealt a tough hand and also him getting a free ride I, I don't think are necessarily the the right things I think as I said earlier you can conclude that he's had a, a tough hand and also maybe not developed the team in in a good enough way so and this feeds back to what we were speaking about earlier on so I think it's it's really interesting optics and that's a word that I've, I've found myself using a lot the optics and again it comes back to what you were speaking about earlier in terms of this the optics that Weber dis, has a disdain for the fans I, I genuinely don't think he does but again people it's the soundbite isn't it it's the 90% soundbite it was out of context it was unfair the way it's been taken but it's associated with him now it's been spoken about so much that people assume that and obviously the the way that he speaks so yeah I, I think and again, once again, we find ourselves coming back to comms and optics and all of this, all of this type of stuff. And I think you're you're right, John, because I, I I was sat in a room with him after after the Premier League relegation in 2020, when he said, "This isn't on Daniel Farker, this is on me." I've seen him own it before, and um, yeah, so so I think he he will do that. But again, it's 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 the optics of how he does it. Does he sit across um, the the table from someone? I don't know, like like he did last summer, who, yes, was obviously an external journalist, but the club ultimately had control of the edit. They had control of what went in. They had control of what didn't. That, for me, is is the element that people are now looking for because um, that's a party political broadcast. That's that's yeah. not that's not external scrutiny, I'm afraid. If it, can you imagine if a if a prime minister did that? If if Rishi Sunak, oh, maybe maybe they do. It's just probably a wider point. But you know, if <laughs> if, if you know they ended up on a on a conservative owned channel, or if a Labour politician ended up on a Labour owned channel, I mean, it's just it's ludicrous to think that it would happen there, and it shouldn't happen in football. And um, what I think we will get in reality is probably a mix of both. I think we'll get an internal chat, and I think we'll also have probably an external one that is my feeling as I sit here today I don't think it'll be us by the way for for what it's worth I haven't been told that definitively I'm just I'm presuming 
Thank you, Connor. Right, I'll tell you what, we'll have a couple more. The first of which is from Chris Lacey on Twitter. Um, and he's saying, or he's asking, with the fans emptying Carrow Road early and plenty of them were left clearly calling for change, will anything really change given that 20,000 season tickets have been renewed and they've already got plenty of the money in the bank from that? Now, I think... I mean, you know, they've referenced that that we'll have 11 million in the bank from that. 11 million pounds isn't going to be anywhere near enough to sustain what we're doing in the championship. But I guess what the question prompts in my mind, and Tom, I'd be very interested to hear your views because we talked about this before the pod. I think there's two questions for me. One, what do you think will change and what do you think will happen next? And two, what do you think personally needs to change and what needs to happen next? Because I would imagine the two of those aren't aligned in your mind. I feel less like I know than I have done for maybe the 30 years of having a season ticket. I mean, I feel like we've got so much in place that we should be challenging, not irrelevant of the players, but almost irrelevant of the players you know we you know we we even with constrained resources i feel like when you have got the as in buying new players i feel like we should be able to go a couple of different routes here we do have saleable assets there are people we can get money for we have to find the right clubs to to court them with so if they want to genuinely burn it all down and I would be sad to see some of them go, but I would be in favour of it if we were told that's the plan. If we're going full rebuild mode and we're going, right, okay, Max, we think we can get money for you. Sarah, we think we can get money for you. Angus, maybe, we think we can get money for you. Don't want to see any of those three players go. They're they're probably top of the list of the three. I want to be in a yellow shirt um, come August. However, you start to run out of players after before long that you think you could get seven figures for, right? And so maybe you try and raise a bit of cash through selling three or four good assets and you put that into some League One players that just missed the playoffs uh, and uh, a couple of other young up-and-coming talents, a couple of loans um, that, I mean, that's one thing that needs to change. We need to stop being shit at loans like Marquinhos is awful Gilmore was awful Hayden's been awful you know stop being bad at loans skip brilliant they're not always going to be player of the season quality completely understand that but part of me thinks that surely just the law of averages next year's loan must be better but yeah, just we... be better at transfers mate and let's just broaden that out because no, there no, hasn't but, been loads of success, has there, over the last no, three no, seasons? No, but but I feel like the I feel like the the loan option is if you're going to go that route of right, we are going to take a conscious effort to reduce the wage bill and kind of um, we're already I think something like the third youngest average squad age in terms of who we've actually played this season. I think I saw with with Swansea being slightly, or maybe maybe we we were fifth and they were third or something, but Swansea were even younger than us. Um, if, if we're going to go that route of burning it down and, and having a younger, hungrier kind of chip on the shoulder, kind of that Lambert style kind of squad rather than the European misfits squad that um, that Varga had, then then I, if you tell us that that's what you're doing and, and that kind of a pattern emerges like that, then fine. I, I'm, I'm up for that. I'll, I'll buy into that. If, if we're told that it's going to be in, in, in Wagner's um, uh, 
it kind of aims and it's going to be to the way he wants to play. Okay, I'm I'm willing to believe that he, if he has if he has got more of what he wants to have, and if it is the bombastic style of of O'Neill when O'Neill's on a good day, I'll I'll sign up to to watch a team in the top ten not even get promoted if they are going to play in that kind of manner because that will get me and my son off our seat at times and think we're nearly going to score just before we, you know, the final ball's terrible like it sometimes is with O'Neill. Um, likewise, if the idea is to try and keep the the best of our players together and try and go again and maybe there's some Atanasio help to to maintain that wage bill and we kind of tie it together for one more ride... I, I can be bought into that if we sign a goal scorer. The one thing, if we were going to do minimal changes to the squad, then the one thing that would have to change is, and we're going to do a pookie pod, by the way, um, either next week or as part of our end of season pod, where we're not going to do anything negative. We're going to put solely focus on wonderful pookie memories. So that, that we're not going to talk about that situation too much, other than, you know, it is factual that he's off. We need a goal scorer. I cannot sign up for a season of Ida and Sargent as our one and two in in any order goal scoring options going to a season. Fuck that. No chance. It can fuck off, and when it gets there, it can fuck off from there as well. I am not having it. It, it like that. Both of them could become really, really, really good championship strikers if played in the right way at their time. I do not believe we can risk. One of both of them turning out like both of them could come brilliant. We've seen both of them put in good performances, but I just I can't I cannot I just can't face them being the choice one and choice two. So that need, either needs to be where we do the loan market, or that needs to be where we poach someone from you know someone who's just finished who who loses a, a, the League One playoff semi final or whoever scored the most goals that doesn't come up that kind of thing. Don't need a coaching or don't need a recruitment setup, mate. Just whoever scored the most goals who went well, out of the playoffs I mean, semi-final. I don't, mean, I, don't mean, I don't mean to be as much of a basic bitch as that, but my point is, you know, you, yeah, you, you get, do. There, there are there are lower there are lower league players who you think well, if they don't go up with their club, then they're going to be go, they're ready to go up at, at a level, and um, you know they will not be they won't cost us eight million pounds. You know they will be lower down, and and again, if we go for like that European model again, that's fine. But what I don't, what I think we have to avoid is a piecemeal, one random South American, one random um, uh, Norwegian. Although if Teddy wants to lace up his boots, that'd be fine. You know, uh, one random. Just you know what I mean, like I, it can't be another patchwork, lack of shape, lack of balance squad because that is, I think, un, that's what has scuppered us. Individually, we've got players who are good enough to play top six football. As a collective, it's not a top six squad. Right. Let's. Let's dispense with all of the those types of questions and let's have the last one from Steve on Twitter. And he is refer- so I think what he's referencing here is the project that the club announced quite recently. And it was basically nominate six legends to go on the side of Carra Road, probably replacing that Gabby Sarah um, poster or Oram Obama Deli on the side of Carra Road. But he's asked us to come up with our worst suggestion for a Carra Road poster. And can I be the first to say, I'm going to ask for one from everyone, but can I be the first to say, Aaron fucking Ramsey, little knobhead. <laughs> Connor, go on. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see you squirm being the, you know, the consummate professional um, that you are. Well, it depends. What, what do you mean worst in what context? 
I'll take it whatever way you want, mate. Least, Ironic, least rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think a big, uh, a big picture of Jez Moxley with just the words promotion, promotion, <laughs> yeah. promotion. Lovely. You'd need, you'd need a lot of material it? for the poster. <laughs> with just cuts at various points down mm. there. Nice, nice. <laughs> Matthew, what are you saying? <laughs> the, the first two that came to my mind are people we can't have on there. Robert Chasey recently passed away. That'd be completely inappropriate. Glenn Roder, similar, similar answer. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm already in a bit of, I'm already in a bit of trouble. Um, do you know what the, um, the, when I think of just, just stodgy, uninspiring dead end Norwich city, I think Brian Hamilton, mm. I think that's a bit harsh to have him up there as the worst, but if you think of as a representative of being lost, I'd put Brian Hamilton on there. Oh, well, if, if nice. we're going in going in terms of being lost, what one that I toyed with was Brian Gunn, but specifically in the dugout, so specifically Brian oh. Gunn as a manager. <laughs> Maybe you could have the season ticket throwers on there instead yes, of Brian yes, Gunn. No, yeah. no, so it's, it's like wherever it's like thirty foot of Gunny, but in his jacket, like with a bit of dugout behind him to show it's clearly the the manager version. And then there's like a season ticket card, like in midair, coming towards him, <laughs> or a clapper. Just yeah. going towards Chris Hutton's head. Yeah. Just anything that's been lobbed. Oh you know, no, that no, would be nice. It. A mon yeah. a montage of our a montage of yeah. our lackluster managers in there. So like worthy in the Burnley game. So almost irrelevant of how good they were beforehand. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, no, the, you the, just want Doherty's rugby tackle. That's like all the, you need. The downfall. Yeah. The downfall. A, a management downfall. Like montage. That's what I want. Lovely. Well, I tell you what. Maybe that's a project that we could take on and put on a pub wall or somewhere in Norwich, you know, just, just for the lols. <laughs> anyway. want that on um, the side of their establishment? Like, we don't have to tell them that's what we're doing before we start. And then once it's implemented, then, you know, they can't do much about it. Okay. Well, look, I appreciate all the questions and then we didn't get to... Can you just say that oh, Steve's was my favourite. So, Steve, okay. if you want some merch, just get in our DMs, mate. Do it, do it. Uh, yeah, loads and loads of things. And as as Punt alluded to, WhatsApp, all, all, we, we went to various media. Uh, so we appreciate it. Connor, thank you for carving out some time to be with us. Uh, McGee, we really, really appreciate your insight and your analysis. Punt, I acknowledge you exist. Everyone else will be here long after these current crop of leaders have, have gone um, let's hope they surprise us and come out with a 20 point plan for how they're going to take us back to the promised land and by that I don't mean the Premier League I don't even mean the playoffs I just mean a team that we're proud to root for mind how you go mm-hmm.